Sheik? Present. DeMar? Here. Eskridge? Here. McKinney? Rummel? Present. Revere? Here. Soglin? Here. Okay. Um, why don't we take a moment and develop a consent agenda? We do have one registration on item number 11, so we'll take separation on 11. Alderman Cheeks? I'd like to request separation on 7 and 8. Do we have any? 7 and 8. There we go. Thank you. Any other items in which members of the board would like separation? Alderman Verveer? Thank you, Mayor. My only uh, separation would be 10, please. 10. Any others? So I'd be more than happy to take a motion to suspend the rules for the purpose of then taking a motion to adapt one through six and nine. Alderman DeMarb? Second. Motion to suspend. Uh, second, not debatable. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Now a motion to adopt one through six and nine would be in order. Move adoption of items one through six and item nine. Is there a second? Second. Discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, motion carries. And so at this time, a motion on item seven would be in order. Second. Motion is second on seven. Second. Uh, discussion? Alderman Cheeks? Um, I'd just like to use this opportunity to invite... Um, MPD up to, to talk a little bit about this um, this grant that we're going to be eventually accepting. Chief. Thank you. So this is a, a grant that we applied for um, we have for several years now. Um, and uh, we have an MOU agreement. Oh, the training. I'm sorry. Training. The training. Um, this is uh, similar to last time we were here, uh, your last board of estimate. Mm -hmm. um, we had specific training grants that came in, um, and just because of the timing of how the uh, estimates came up and when we could write this resolution, this allows us to have um, the ability to accept grants for uh, an entire year uh, from uh, training standards so that we don't have to keep coming every single time we receive a training grant because they're small in nature. We don't know when they're going to come up. Oftentimes they come up at the last minute. The state will call us and say, do you have anything you'd like to uh, apply for a training grant on? And we will, so timing-wise, it's very rushed and there isn't a chance to get to a BOE before the training comes up. So this would just give us an opportunity throughout the year to accept those types of grants. So the um, fiscal note here says that all costs associated with the program will be covered by the grant. Um, uh, to be clear, anything that we would accept, you know, by, by approving this, anything that we would accept would not have outside uh, fiscal implications into the future. These would all be for one-time grants in, in the instance. Okay. I just wanted to be clear on that. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, Captain Williams, or Chief Williams, I'm sorry. I have um, a question. I, I think I heard you say that you all us have a list of items that you would like to have um, grants on for training. Is, is that you said if they call you, you say, yeah, of course, of course we always have need. This is more for putting on training. This isn't for e equipment. Right. But so uh, like uh, an example would be uh, if we want to put in or we want to bring in a guest speaker. Mm -hmm. um, if there's a grant out there, we'd apply for that if that speaker has a fee associated and travel expenses and all that. The grant would cover it if that would be Okay. And what kind of topics would people be coming in to speak to Madison officers on? And this is not just for Madison. This would be for regional or oh, other, okay. other municipalities. Right. Um, it, it, it can vary. It okay. Can any topic that would be law enforcement related. 
And what kind of topics would they be coming to speak to? A lot of the topics are things that are required for certification. And so the Department of Justice, that's one reason why they fund a lot of them, is because we're offering these things to the training center regionally. And when they see that we're putting these on, on like a crisis intervention training, Mm -hmm. there's a whole instructor development course on how to become an instructor at different places and things like that. Um, Mobile evidence uh, investigation kind of trainings that we put on ourselves and so people from elsewhere can come. Uh, The state will pay for the tuition. It encourages them to come, and then we have a successful training. That's great. Sorry, just I mean, I know you've got a great facility out there and a great training, great training room. So, um, does this happen often, where you invite other officers in regionally for training? Or, yes. Yes. Our specialized training. Yeah. And we'll open it up uh, regionally. Um, we advertise it. So we offer it on the the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we advertise it uh, monthly at the Dane County Chiefs meeting. Yep. So it's very similar uh, um, in. in the way that even MATC offers regional trainings. That's great. Okay. All right. Thank you. Further discussion? Alderman Rivera. Thank you, Mayor. One, one last question. So when you mentioned that uh, there's an issue of timeliness for uh, grants to be accepted by going through the council process, can you or Jim think of any previous occasions where we actually have had to pass on a grant simply because of the legislative calendar? I hope that's not the case, well, but is we it? We didn't have to pass on it, but we actually had uh, the training and had the people have to pay for it before we had gotten to you uh, to receive the grant and then had to go through the process of reimbursing everybody who had registered for it. Because training happened before we could get to you. Oh, okay. And that's what happened with the last uh, resolution you adopted. All those grants came like within a few days when the grants, the, the trainings were going to occur. So, so in the end, we have, and so since now it's passed, we're going to reimburse everybody and then take the money from the state. And so it's, um, so, so once again, it, it benefits all, our department and, and other departments, but it's a lot of behind the scenes administrative work. So, so this kind of resolves it. And also every year we're going to come and do this. So it's not ongoing. It's just per year, per advice of the city attorney. And next year we'll come back and ask again for a similar resolution. Thank you. And I agree. I'm sorry. It sounds very cumbersome to cut reimbursement checks to all these agencies. And, Actually, uh, the finance section suggesting that we do this. Okay. <laughs> Thank you both. Other questions or discussion? Um, just, just for clarification, uh, are, are, we, are you currently re- responding to the Joint Justice Assistant Grant, um, which is... Legislative 38972. Um, are, you, are you describing 39010? I am 39010. That's what I thought. Just the Department of Justice Law Enforcement Training Grants. That, that's I what I thought. I was mistaken at the beginning. I thought you were talking That's about no problem. I just wanted to clarify for everyone else that we were talking about two different things. At the Further discussion? Seeing none on the question, which is adoption, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Item 8. Authorize the execution of a second amendment to the lease for uh, 29 March Court. Is there a motion? I'd like to move item 8. Is there a second? Second. Mm-hmm. Motion is second. Discussion? Go ahead. Nope, never mind. I'm good. Anyone else? On the question which is adopted? Just, can I just say I'm, uh, Alderman I'm, thank you. I'm relieved that we uh, can stay there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Got it renewed. <laughs> thank discussion? you. Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Motion, you oppose no. Motion carries. Item 10, declaring the city of Madison's intention to create a policy for funding plumbing conversions with sewer relocation. Is there a motion? Hello? I can look. Yes, I would like to move item 10, please. Is there a second? Second. Motion is second. Discussion? Alderman Revere. Thank you, Mayor. I separated this because I was hoping Rob could give us a plain language explanation of the new program. Sure. Um, Thank you. The uh, First, the issue, of course, would be helpful to frame the issues. Yeah. 
So as, as uh, many of you are aware, uh, the city does uh, street reconstruction projects throughout the city, and uh, with that, uh, utility work, including sanitary sewer. In some instances, the sanitary sewer uh, doesn't actually exist in the street. It exists in the backyard. And those uh, backyard sanitary sewer mains are problematic because they, uh, they're hard for our staff to get to them. You can picture what a backyard looks like after, after a while, um, after people have moved in and homes have matured. Uh, a lot of trees, fences, and, and that type of thing. So we c can't physically get to them without disrupting quite a bit of, of, uh, of improvements that the property owners have put in. And then the um, same goes for reconstructing that sewer in the backyard. It's very difficult. So um, where possible, and it is not always possible, um, the, uh, the city uh, engineering division likes to move that sewer out into the street. And uh, when we do that, uh, it's, it creates quite a hardship for the residents um, because uh, it's not an expense they're ex expecting. The portion of the sewer lateral in the, in the street right-of-way the city has traditionally uh, uh, participated in um, if it's in conjunction with the street reconstruction project. So you got this lateral that goes from the main in the street to the house. And the city it has a, a policy where we participate in that portion of the lateral from the main to the right-of-way line, which is about at the back of the sidewalk, if you have sidewalk. Um, and then from there to the house, uh, the city uh, engineering division hasn't typically uh, participated in that uh, part of the lateral <laughs> and the property owner's responsibility to, uh, to replace that section of lateral. But in the case where you're moving it from the backyard, right, then that's um, when you're moving the sewer from the backyard to the street, then it's a lot of lateral reconstruction, a lot of expense to the homeowner that goes beyond, uh, you know, even... Uh, what would typically be experienced by a property owner where the, the sewers is uh, in the street to begin with. So um, what this property, what this uh, policy attempts to do is to compensate the property owner so the city can move the sewer to the, uh, to the street and, the, and the, the property owner has a more reasonable cost associated with doing that. Is that clear? Great. And could I, I just want to follow up. Go ahead. I was going to say, Mr. Phillips, how often does this happen? Well, not often. Not often. Uh, mm -hmm. Right now in the Larkin and Hillcrest area, the mayor's uh, neighborhoods, there's quite a few we've had. Uh, but they're, they're scattered throughout the city. And, again, in some instances, you can't move the sewer. There are other reasons. It just the grade isn't there. You can't. It won't drain by gravity, so you can't move the sewer. But uh, where we can, it's our preference to get it out of the backyard. So I had a similar follow-up question. I, I noted that owner person Schmidt is a co-sponsor of the resolution, and I figured it was because it affects his district, which you're saying it, 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 does. it does. And so I was curious approximately how many aldermanic districts or neighborhoods in the city would you say this is an issue, or is it very localized? I know it's areas that were annexed into the city, it sounds like. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised, Alder, if there isn't a case in each automatic district someplace, but I, I would have to uh, do a little more research on where they all are. I mean, we have that information. I just don't I don't have it with me tonight. Uh, but it's, it's not uncommon, especially by the lake. Um, there's a lot of sewers um, on the lake side of the homes, and a lot of those will, will remain. So, but this just applies to uh, sewers that we can move, of course. And I think there's some in the Langdon Street area, isn't there, that are running through the backyards. Yep, and a lot of those were, were left because they just can't be moved. Do you have an emergency? Sorry. Hmm? Thank you. Thank you. There's one with a lift station that goes in the back from the Fiji house to the Edgewater. Further discussion? Seeing none, on the question of adoption, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Item number 11. Is there a motion? Second. Motion and a second. We have a motion and a second. We do have one registration on this item. 
Kenton Peters. No, I beat you, Kenton. I don't know. Do you need help, Kenton, with that? You're stronger than I am. It's my dream. There's architect here in Madison with downtown. And the Try to talk into one of the microphones, whichever. You, you want to sit here while you talk? Or there? You could sit here if you wanted, Kenton. Yeah, sit over there, Kenton. We can you can sit here if you want. Right here is fine. Oh, I, can. <coughs> I told a bad joke the last time I was here. I said, oh, my folks told me always to stand up when I'm talking to my elders. And so... <laughs> So anyway, uh, <clears throat> what I would like to introduce you to this afternoon, I know it's not on the agenda, and this is merely an ad- introduction. <clears throat> this is Lake Terrace Park. It is the fulfillment of the number one key priority in the current downtown plan that Madison approved in January of 2014. This is also an integral part of the Judge Doyle project in a sense that <coughs> the uh, JDS project, I'll call it, uh, specifies the need for 1,250 parking spaces to be built <coughs> excuse me, on Block 88, which is where we're sitting in now, and Block 105, which is across Peakney Street. Of those 1,250 spaces, 600 are for public parking. So this proposal is to, instead of building them four levels underground, and I'm kind of pointing up towards Goody Street here, is to build 600 of those public parking spaces in in an elevated parking deck over John Nolan Drive, concealed beneath a five-acre beautifully landscaped park that extends from Franklin Street right to the edge of Pinkney mm-hmm. Street on the edge of the convention center. And then it terraces down to the lake to a broad lake walk and bike path. So this is part of, of the Judge Doyle budget in the sense that we can build parking spaces above ground, as this is, sort of like an erector said, if you've ever played with those, with all precast parts. But we can build a space for $25,000 per parking space here. I know that always shocks everybody what it costs to build a parking space. But to build them underground over in Block 105 and 88, it will cost $32,000. So the proposal is to move those spaces over here, build this park, and we have over $4 million savings uh, of that construction by putting them in um, these blocks over here. With that uh, savings, yet we then will have the monies to cover all of the landscaping here. So in effect, the cost of building Judge Doyle's Square the way it is currently planned and the cost of doing this are exactly the same. Only you and I and the rest of the city all get a park. So I wanted to introduce that to you, and uh, I'll be uh, appearing before as many people as I can over the coming weeks and months because I think this is really something that we should have, and I thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are there questions of, of Mr. Peters? Can I ask? Thank you. Can I ask you a couple questions? Because I, I haven't seen this for a while, and it might be the first time some of my colleagues have seen it. First on the aerial photo, what do those orange dots represent? Well, you know what those are? Remember that you had a showing over in the, the uh, uh, what's the housing back of the uh, overture, the, the city housing project? City, uh, city Gap Center. Center. Gap Center. There was a presentation there uh, some, a couple summers ago. And people would go around and put little red dots on the things that they favor. We got most of the dots. <laughs> it was at that meeting. I remember that now. Thank you. Yeah. Then the other two questions were, that hotel, is that 
on the site of the existing Rubens Furniture? Yes, it's it's sort of a dream in there that uh, we've been we've been discussing it. But it, that now that there's a hotel to be on Block 105, mm-hmm. that this uh, we could take that tag off of there and just show that that's available for development, and that that would encourage development. There's two sites, Summit and Rubens, there, mm-hmm. and right across 333. You know, is under construction right now. So this will encourage development all along the Wilson Street corridor. So it has a very long, far-reaching effect. Lastly, your plan, as I recall, does not include any lake fill. A what? Lake fill? No, it Correct. doesn't, it doesn't include you, lake you, fill, but it includes a, an elevated um, straightening of the line from directly from the line, the walk that runs along the convention center. And it's about, the most is about 15 to 20 feet, but that would all be built on piles so that the water, uh, rather colonnades, so that the water continues just the same place it is. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Any other questions? If not, we'll continue with our discussion. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. On the city's financial condition and budget outlook. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I thought it would be a good time. Uh, we're sort of mid-year in 2016 and uh, 2015. Talk about uh, where we're at and uh, uh, where things are going. I'll be making the same presentation um, next week for the full council. So let's start out uh, with you. So um, if we just to summarize quickly, um, our bright spots. Our, uh, our reserves are pretty much on track. Uh, our, our goal is 15% of reserves as a share of our general fund expenditures. We're slightly under that at 14.6%. Our actuals compared to budget are on track in 2015. Um, the state budget that was just signed by the governor does cut recycling aid, and that will affect the 2016 budget by about $175,000. It does make major changes in the room tax um, and how, how much we can retain for non-tourism uh, development activities, but those um, provisions don't go into effect until the 2017 budget. Um, we still have the levy limits in place. Those will continue to, in 2016, place uh, uh, considerable constraints on the city budget as well as into the future, and our commitments are growing faster than our ability to fund them. And as you have learned um, as a Board of Estimates over your last uh, special series of meetings, um, the SIP as currently, um, capital improvement plan as currently envisioned, um, will fuel higher property tax increases without changes. So quickly, um, uh, at 2014, we uh, just issued our comprehensive annual fiscal report, which uh, gives you a sense very comprehensively of what's happening in, um, uh, in city finances for 2014. And uh, I talked about general fund reserves. Our revenues were slightly under budget, um, kind of focused in our utility pilots um, because of the change in uh, state funding for technical colleges. Um, We had um, our fines and forfeitures are down. A lot of that is due to um, uh, fewer traffic law enforcement actions. Some of that is fewer state and federal grants for um, traffic enforcement. The other piece is in parking violations. With the multi-site meters that the um, parking utilities put into place, there's much fewer violations. People can actually get their actual time in, which means more revenue to the parking utility, less revenue to the general fund. Um, our charges were ser- for services were up. That's primarily the ambulance fee compared to budget. And our investment income um, came back primarily due to a change in our mark-to-market on the favorable side. You may remember that in 2013 we had a negative adjustment on mark-to-market. Our net expenditures were um, about $2.6 million under budget. That's primarily fringe benefits, and we did not spend all of the contingent reserve. And we did set aside um, $1.3 million for refunds uh, for a case, a property tax case related to the Attic Angels um, Prairie Point facility. And um, uh, we will have to pay that out, and then we will get um, reimbursed by the taxing jurisdictions in 2016. Also, um, in our fleet service, internal, fund, internal service fund um, area, uh, a deficit has sort of arisen there. We've had a mismatch between the asset tracking that the fleet's been using to set the rates and the asset tracking that we have in our accounting system. 
and as a result, we're not collecting enough um, in charges from the agencies. And so that we will have to address that over the next few budgets, uh, bring the deficit, you know, address the deficit, and get the rates up to the right place. What that means is most of the agencies that are paying rates are levy-supported agencies, police, fire, streets being the big ones. So we will have to put more of our um, you know, levy growth into those budgets to pay for these um, service charges. Um, for 2015, our revenues are actually tracking about 800,000 below budget. Uh, it's focused primarily in the building permits area. Uh, we had a pretty aggressive growth rate in the 2015 budget based on what we'd seen in prior years. And um, because the base has gotten so big, we still have growth in building permits, just that rate of growth has, has slowed. We actually, in 2014, saw building permits be less than in the prior year. So we are slowing down from, you know, we still have growth, but it's just not at that same pace. I talked about the fines and forfeitures issue. We still have that problem in the base. And then the room tax is doing very well. Um, first quarter of 2015, uh, over first quarter of 2014 was up um, almost 18%, so pretty dramatic growth there. So we're projecting an additional half million dollars for the general fund um, from the room tax. And um, if you recall, for the 2015 budget, two-thirds of any um, sort of unbudgeted revenues go to the general fund, the other third go to the Convention and Visitors Bureau. Expenditures right now are about 1.1 million under budget, but that's primarily because we have a contingent reserve balance right now, about a million dollars. And you recall we had the fuel savings from locking prices, and then we used about 60% of that fuel savings to provide an additional pay increase back in March. So turning to 2016, the budget that's uh, ahead of us that you'll be working on um, over the next few months, um, we have advanced commitments, and I'll explain what those are in the next slides. Uh, a little under 15 million at the moment. Um, our allowable levy increase, which is a combination of the um, what net new construction allows us to increase our operating levy, and then whatever we sort of plan to borrow this year, which results in debt service in 2016. So right now, projected eight and a half million dollar growth. Other revenue estimates because of building permits and things like that going down compared to 2015. So we have a gap of about $8 million, and that's, that's shifting as we get more information. Uh, for example, the WRS rates, the retirement system rates, actually went down about 3%, so that will help the budget maybe on the order of half a million dollars. Um, but we don't know what our health insurance rates are. We've made some projections. Um, we don't know if we'll do the plan design changes that you've been briefed on over in several meetings. I think you have a briefing on Wednesday, what our actual borrowing is, and things like that. I mentioned the room tax. Um, when we finally got a signed budget uh, after vetoes, the room tax um, changes will not affect the 2016 budget, but will dramatically affect the 2017 budget. And there's no new initiatives in any of these numbers, so anything new that's planned will have to be um, somehow funded through um, eliminating other issues or, or finding other revenues. So just to break those advanced commitments down, revenues are down because of building permits and then in those areas that I've cited, the, um, the recycling aid uh, is another area of state aid cuts. Our operating costs are up a little over $10 million. Now for planning purposes, this assumes that all employees get a 3% pay increase. The police and fire um, commission staff those um, units are getting a 3% pay increase under contract. The others would all be a goal. So, you know, that, that's, that will be the key area to try to balance the budget. It did assume an increase in retirement system because we um, actually saw a drop. That will help shrink this gap. And then it does assume that health insurance costs will go up about 7.5%. In prior years, we've used a much more conservative number of 10% growth, but we've seen that rate of growth uh, shrink the last uh, few years. Um, other sort of operating costs, we have longevity and education stipends that we, um, uh, longevity is based on amount of uh, time that you have with the city. You get an additional pay increase uh, for police and fire. Um, if you get certain uh, education qualifications, you get an additional pay increase. 
And then in the 2014 budget to help balance that, um, there was a series of sort of um, the uh, city stopped paying certain contributions for two years on uh, post, uh, post-retirement health insurance provisions that we have. So we sort of took a holiday in those payments. We have to start paying those amounts again in the 2016 budget, and we have to start a repayment plan that was bargained with police and fire uh, to sort of pay back those two years of holidays over a six-year period. So all of those together, right out of the gate, add almost $2 million in costs. 2016 will be a presidential election, um, and so we have much more robust election cycles. So we have to put about a half million dollars into the budget. Fuel is down about $1.2 million compared to the 15 budget, so that'll help. And then I talked about the fleet rates, and then we also have an issue in our insurance fund. Our premiums are going up dramatically. Uh, some of that is due to losses, and I'll show you a graph on the next page of what's happened with our losses. Some of it is um, uh, the, um, you may have heard about the local government property insurance fund, which has been having some issues. The legislature had considered eliminating it, but had, had brought it back into existence, and it will remain in place. But in, in response to those efforts, um, the city, which is a part of uh, the Wisconsin um, uh, mutual Insurance Corporation and um, Wisconsin Municipal uh, Mutual Insurance Corporation, as well as two other um, municipal mutual uh, um, corporations, have gotten together to create a property liability um, insurance corporation, which will come into existence. It'll help us to avoid the very high premium increase associated with the um, local government plan, but we still will have dramatic increases in our premiums. So. We will have to probably put into um, the insurance fund on the order of a million dollars of additional levy support over the next probably two years to sort of bring that um, uh, those funds in uh, into balance. And this just gives you a, a quick representation of what's happened. Um, you can see sort of by year what our insurance fund liability losses have been. You've seen that they've kind of range between a half a million to a million dollars, closer to a half a million dollars per year. We have a series of major losses, major events, starting in the latter part of 2011 into 2012. Those were sort of vehicle um, orient or vehicle-associated incidents that resulted in loss of life as well as um, officer-involved shootings. So those are resulting in lawsuits. Those are resulting in... Um, uh, settlements as well as um, legal fees that the city is incurring through the insurance fund and our premiums are going up as a result and so we will have to put in um, levy support um, to those programs to respond to these incidents in effect. Um, some other areas that we have advanced commitments, we have one-time items from the 2015 budget, um, a little over almost three and a half million dollars you may recall we've been using a balance in our premium stabilization fund to, ban, you know, to provide about $2 million a year to the budget starting in 2012. And we've exhausted that balance. So 2015 was the last year and we spent $1.3 million. So that money's gone. We now have to fill that with an ongoing source from, from the levy increase. Uh, One-time payment is due this year from TID32 from one of the generator projects. So we'll get that one-time money, and we won't have that in 16. The major one, though, is um, in addition to the premium stabilization fund, is there were a, num a number of sort of police-oriented efforts in the 2015 budget that were not funded with ongoing monies. So five neighborhood resource officers um, were funded with one-time grant monies and other balances. So that's about $750,000 um, that has to be found. And then the COPS grants that you've been, I think, becoming more familiar with, we have to fund um, that on an ongoing basis as well. We pay on average half of that, but it's on a sliding scale. So those two together are about a million dollars. And then fully funding the pay increase that was provided in 2015 will cost about $800,000. On the debt service side, um, I'm assuming right now about $77 million of borrowing, which is about... 70 million less than what's authorized, but quite a bit more than what we borrowed in 2014, about $20 million more. So we're starting to see 
you know, the size of the SIP have some effect on how much we have to borrow. And I would not be surprised if that $77 million, once we get information back on all of the capital projects, uh, might be higher than that. And that will affect the, the overall levy increase. Uh, just to revisit again the levy limits and how they work. So they are controlled by what's net new construction. It means whatever sort of new buildings in the city or buildings that may replace uh, existing buildings, uh, you take that total value and you um, compare it to our overall property value in the city and you get a ratio, and that ratio in <coughs> 2016 is about 2.23%. That's how much our operating levy can increase from 2015. Uh, last year's budget did not use the entire amount available, so there's about $300,000 of carryover capacity that we can apply to the 2016 budget. And then, as I've said before, the levy limits do not control for debt service. So we can borrow and, in, and create uh, debt service um, pretty much up to our constitutional limit of how much we can borrow, and that's not, that amount of payment is not controlled in the levy limits. But it does affect the tax increase, and that's something to obviously think about. We've been talking about that um, in your special series of meetings. And then the levy limits can be exceeded through a border referendum. So we, we can give a sense of what the levy increase will be based on that net new construction number and then an assumption of how much we're going to borrow in September. The, the first part of that equation is, well, what is our overall property value increasing? So the assessor at this point has said that residential values are up 4%, so we're really emerging from the recession. Um, the housing economy in the city, housing prices are doing much better. Our overall um, net taxable property value is going up a little under 5%. And the average value home is recovering pretty strongly. It's gone up 3.5% compared to um, uh, the prior year, so we're at about almost $246,000, um, the average value home. So if we plug in that net new construction number and assume $77 million in borrowing, which, as I said, that's probably the minimum. It could be higher than that. Uh, the levy would go up 4.2%. The mill rate would go down a half a percent because the overall property values are going up about that 4.7%. And then taxes on the average value home will go up a little under 3%. That's because the average value home is going up 3% and the mill rate is going down half a percent. So based on the total taxes on the average value home, that 2.9% increase would be about $66 on the average value home. And then the dial on that, primarily up, will be how much we borrow in September. Just again on the levy limits, um, so we went from $371 million of net new construction value in 2013 to $525 million. So that's a great increase, and that helps with that 2.23% um, factor. But what I do want to point out is that that 2.23% adds about $3 million of levy capacity. And when we apply that to the entire operating budget, so take out debt service, it really only translates into about a 1.3% increase. We're seeing no growth in our state aid. Our other general fund revenues, as I told you earlier, are actually falling slightly. And so um, you know, it may say 2.2%, but really our growth on the overall budget is closer to 1.3%. So that gives you a sense of how constrained we are to meet um, cost increases associated perhaps with a 3% pay increase for police and fire and other employees and health insurance costs and the other pressures I talked about before. Another program that's out there that we haven't had to talk about um, over the last few years because of levy limits is uh, there's something called the Expenditure Restraint Program where the state gives us a payment of about $6.8 million in return um, for the city holding its rate of growth to a combination of inflation and 60% of that new, net new construction number. Well, this is sort of the flip side of lower fuel prices. You know, we got that benefit and we, we spent that money for pay increases. Well, the reason we have lower fuel prices is or one of the contributors associated with lower fuel prices is lower inflation. And that means that factor, uh, that inflation factor under the expenditure restraint program um, is right now about half a percent. That's where inflation is at right now. And when you add net new construction, 
our total expenditure strength growth is about one and a half percent. We've been more like 2.6 percent the last few years, and so um, this is another level uh, area of constraint that we'll have to keep an eye on. We probably, because of levy limits, unless we find another revenue source, won't be able to spend up to that level. But it is a factor that we have to look at that we haven't had a major issue with over the last few years. Um, you've seen the, the, this model. Uh, we talked about it on the debt side. I just wanted to point out that we have this model. We're using it now. Um, and this it's obviously a... You know, models are always moving. So this is a snapshot based on some assumptions of if after 2016 we do 2% salary growth, if you do plan design changes in health insurance every year that will hold um, the growth in health insurance flat, maybe not realistic, but that's what's in this assumption in this uh, model snapshot, and that we considerably constrain the capital budget. Um, some of those factors that, and assumptions that I showed you um, last week so we have the gap I talked about there, 7.9 million. Again, that's somewhat of a moving target. And then you can see what the increase in the um, average value home, that's the solid line, and the dotted line is the increase um, in the levy. Um, so what's really driving those increases in 17 and 18 are you know, the size of the capital budget. So something to keep in mind as we move forward. And just another representation of the capital budget and its effect capital budget right now is that higher line, the, the, which w on average we would be borrowing about $120 million a year, and that's what takes us to almost 23% debt service share of general fund expenditures. What we, as I said before, what we borrowed in 2014 was $57 million, so more than doubling um, sort of what we have been borrowing. I just show one thing in mind. We're looking at 16% this year and a good solid responsible number is to stay under 13%. So I just showed you a line here as if you tried to go from 120 down to 95 million, that would get you to about 17%. And I showed you some of those increased impacts on taxes on the average value home. So those are, again, issues that you all have to grapple with over the next few months. So finally, um, the Mayor's budget instructions um, to the agencies. We call for no growth in the operating budget except for those cost to continue items that I mentioned before. We do have some exceptions um, for allowing agencies to build in longevity and steps because we, in the end, um, fund those things. And what agencies propose to fund them in budgets is to eliminate crossing guards and things like that that we're just not going to do. So um, sort of considering that a cost to continue as well as um, already bargained pay increases, and then we're asking separately that agencies give us plans that would reduce their base budgets by 3%. And we are allowing, as we have in prior budgets, so that the, the mayor can have um, sort of a broader range of options that they can ask for supplemental requests through um, a separate, um, a separate uh, approach or process. So that's a quick snapshot of sort of where we've been, where we are this year, and where things are looking for 2016. I'd be happy to answer any questions, or you know, you've heard a lot of this on the capital budget side. So, any questions? Alderman Rommel. So, as like many of you, I'm rather new to the board of estimates, and it sort of came up earlier the, the grants for police. Have you written us a memo ever in the past about how do we plan? You know, we get this, this money, and then we add people in, and then eventually we have to pay. And then it kind of is a continuing cycle. And just comparing it to how we grow other agencies, and I, I just want to make sure I understand all the opportunities that we are faced with and how we value these grants and growing our staff when other agencies might need staff, but they don't have pots of money to, to get sort of interim payments and just like to better understand that. Okay. Any other questions? Alderman Verbeer. Thank you. If I could go back to the questions will kind of be in the order of your presentation, Dave. And the, when you talked about the uh, 2014 um, books, uh, and there was a category titled license and permits that was $150,000 less than budgeted. Mm -hmm. um, my question is, did, 
Am I correct? That line item does not include building permits when you say that? It, it does, does include. So, that, so it's that primarily city was clerk. building permits. It's all yep. licenses and mm-hmm. permits. And permits, yes. Okay. So it wasn't that we had overly optimistic um, projections for, like, city clerk-issued licenses, something that we've No, this was pretty much all budget amendments on. came in less than budgeted. Okay. And then do you have a sense... Um, as we talk about then the, the decrease in projected revenues and fines and forfeitures, about what percentage was were traffic citations versus parking it was violations? About 50-50. 50-50. Yep. And in your slide, projections for, for 2015, uh, you estimated that would continue, and and uh, is that in consultation with the police recently? Because one reason. We, I recall that 2014 was probably so bleak was because they kind of the department was forced to pillage the traffic enforcement safety team and they only had a morning an AM test unit and the PM test unit was used for more pressing matters when they were short staffed but but they've been back to full strength we're projecting that they'll stabilize but that does mean that we have to take that money out of the 15 base so that's why it affects 16 as well okay and then, uh, just so I understand that, so we have the final um, numbers from WRS for pension for next year. Yes. And then the big question is, what do we do with our health plan? And those numbers always come in in the midst of our operating budget. Well, both the uh, both the rates, and then if and then what we the do with the plan. Decide to do something with the plan design. And we have to do that. Really in September. That's correct. Yeah. yeah, we'll know the rates at the end of August. Okay. And then, as it relates to health insurance, I'm asking this question: uh, Do we anticipate having a collective bargaining agreement with Local 695 that the BOE will be able to consider anytime soon? And because uh, that might, you know, be set the trend for health as we've. I think they're in the midst of looking at something right now, but. Can't really comment on that. I realize I realize we're in open session, but so you, we're close. We're, we're, I hope we're close, including the issue of health insurance. Uh, okay, thank you. I think that's all I have. I oh, just one last clarification. So the only impact of the biennial budget in 2016, Dave, as a result of the governor's actions yesterday, is the $175,000 reduction in recycling aid. Right. Right. And weren't there any positives like local transportation aids and? Nothing whatsoever. Everything else was frozen. The second year of the biennium? Because I thought I read something that there were some, that there was some rosy. They did not change any of the transportation aid programs. So that was the, I suppose, if you look at it. They didn't have greater cuts than they could have. Right. Now, Now, they have been describing as sort of an increase the fact that they have to fully fund the second half of the calendar year for the transit aid and general transportation aid increases. So they've sort of said, well, we have to put in whatever it was, 4 or $5 million. Well, that, that's just so that we can maintain the amounts that we have right now. So it's sort of spun to be a, an increase. When in reality, it's not. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Any other questions? Mm-hmm. Cheeks. Um, you mentioned, I know that we're talking about 2016, but you mentioned uh, the impacts is, impacts that we're going to face in 2017 on room taxes. I wonder if you have any projections that you can share at this time. Um, well, right now, in the 2015 budget, we made a pretty dramatic increase in the amount of room tax that we were using for the general fund. That That was fundamentally the reason why we were able to balance that budget in the face of 3% pay increases for police and fire. So we probably put in almost $2 million more of room tax to support the general fund. Another key piece of that was the urban forestry special charge, which helped with that as well. Under the changes to the room tax, we will, let me back up, that $5 million took us to close to 40% of the room tax going for general fund purposes or what under the statutes would be called non or what we're retaining for non-tourism promotion and development activities. Under the provision in the state budget starting in 2017, that 40% share has to drop to 30%. And so um, 
now we're looking then at maybe a one and a half to two million dollar effect. But then we start to take a look at how do we define what we're spending perhaps in the general fund that might be related to tourism promotion and development. One of the criteria is tangible municipal development, including a convention center. So we're assuming that the Monona Terrace expenditures will be tour, you know, will qualify for the 70% share. And I think an area we'll have to look at is does the overture subsidy also qualify for that? This tangible municipal development, in order to be um, tourism-related, has to reasonably um, be expected to generate hotel room nights and probably can make a reasonable argument um, for that. So those are the types of things that we'll have to look at over the next few months um, that perhaps on the general fund side of the ledger can be funded from the sort of 70% tourism side um, of the ledger. The, um, uh, the other major change is that the state law change will require that monies be um, expended by a tourism commission. So that 70% share has to be automatically sent to a tourism commission. It's the tourism commission that decides how that money gets spent. And the tourism commission is appointed by the mayor, confirmed by the council, and uh, at least one member of that commission has to be um, a representative of hotels. And... Um, I think it's a four to six member commission, uh, if I remember correctly. And um, so these sort of options of having overture be funded or other things, those will have to be approved by this commission, and as well as Monona Terrace being funded and things like that. So your role as a council will be to confirm the commission and then to basically send, you know, pass through 70% of the room taxes um, to that body. That's amazing. Have we got a couple more, more questions? Um, uh, I, I should probably know the answer to this, but I don't. The election cycle funds, uh, do we get any additional support from the state or federal government when those happen? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, uh, when we were talking about uh, lawsuits are brought to mind. Are there? Are we? Have we started thinking about any lawsuits against the town of Madison or, or um, any other sort of costs that might be associated uh, with suits in other jurisdictions? Well, that could eventually become our eventually become our problem. Yeah, that's something the mayor's been pointing out, and um, something we're definitely trying to to watch. Um, and it's a matter of how forthcoming the town officials will be with, with what's happening with that. But I'm a mayor, if you want to speak to that at all. Well, there's, 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 there's several sets of issues. One of them has to do with what you would consider to be a standard liability, whether it's a traffic accident or it's a question of liability on the part of an employee. But there's also the question of any liability that may come from infrastructure deterioration, which it looks like is is taking place. Um, So I've discussed this with the uh, mayor of Fitchburg because they will encounter the same challenge. And actually I'll be meeting sometime in the next few weeks with uh, the chairman of the town board of the town of Madison. I'm glad that's being discussed. Thank you. Kind of to follow up on the insurance fund liability, you mentioned the officer-involved shooting and it spiked with 2012. Like, how do, do we just settle? I mean, what is the process? And I guess you don't know the answer, but we might get another one. It's possible. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to go into specifics. Uh, if we need to do that, we should be in closed session. But I think generally um, we engage outside counsel um, to assist us with these issues. Uh, we do not just settle immediately. We look at the facts of the case. We um, we talk with our outside counsel. We talk with, um, you know, sort of risk assessment that we get assistance with through WIMIC, uh, our mutual insurance corporation, um, as well as other um, uh, entities. So it is a, it's an involved and lengthy. The decision lengthy. to settle is not solely ours. 
driven by the insured, the insurance company. Because if they say settle and we do not settle and it goes to trial, then we will be responsible for any dollar amount above the proposed offer to settle and that will come directly out of our pockets. So it's almost universal that you settle based on what the insurance company says. We plan to start hopefully quarterly briefings of the board estimates on sort of our risk condition as well as we've tried to make our internal audit program more robust and try to talk to you about that as well. But no, it's not just a matter of settling out of the gate. And yeah, we do have other cases out there that are not reflected yet. And then my final question is to follow up on other chiefs. So there would be a new city committee, this tourism commission that would be... A committee, an independent commission. Oh, but we appoint to it? We appoint it. So it's state mandated, this committee, and then we have the authority... State mandated, the city gets to appoint, but then they spend money pursuant to state law. And when do we anticipate this creature would come into existence? Probably before January 1st of 2017. Any other questions? Dave, I'm familiar with the expenditure restraint program. Can you just give me a little more on that? Sure. So in the early 90s, as a part of trying to find tools, just like the tools that we see today with levy limits, to try to limit the rate of growth in spending, they carved out about $60 million of shared revenue. It was the last time that the city of Madison and the city of Milwaukee successfully worked together on a fiscal item. So basically municipalities, any community that levies more than five mills, a rate of five mills, can be in the program, and you have to agree to hold your rate of growth in spending, general fund spending, net of debt service, to inflation, plus 60% of that net new construction number. And the city has been successful every year in doing that. Part of our success is that we build our base at the end of the year through a year-end appropriation process where we poll the agencies, how much more money do we need to spend, and that helps build our base, and then we apply that growth rate on that higher base. So that has helped us create a cushion for situations like this when inflation has shrunk to almost nothing. And so that rate of growth on our roughly $230 million non-debt service base is affected. So that's how the program works. If you don't comply with that, then the city does not receive a $6.8 million payment. Which means when you take the expenditure restraint program and the levy limit program, if you choose to raise the levy limit to exceed what the law presently sets, you may run afoul of expenditure restraint program, for which there is no safety valve. I'll just add and jump in that from my experience, as Dave I think already mentioned, prior to the creation of levy limits, we had issues with ERP, as we call it, ERP, year after year after year. So ERP was really the target that we were concerned about in many operating budgets, and obviously that shifted greatly in the last four years or so to the levy limits, and ERP is something that we hardly even talk about or have concern with. So it's interesting that it's back. Further questions? Let me just make one observation. In the last four budgets, I've felt that with some luck and 
really careful planning that we would be able to go from year to year maintaining all basic services and doing it without layoffs. I don't believe that in terms of next year's budget. My observation at this juncture is that for the variety of reasons that have been outlined in Dave's presentation, it's going to take something exceptional that we haven't seen yet uh, to allow us to go forward without layoffs. And this is particularly true uh, in a time when non-police and fire agencies are woefully strapped um, for staff because they have not had growth to keep up for the, with the demand for services. I'll just share that with you as we go into this over the next few months. Further questions? If not, uh, do we have a motion on this? I don't think so. It's just mm -hmm. a presentation. So a motion to adjourn be in order. Second. Second. There is. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Those no, motion carries. You should have said congratulations and thank you.